to this week's episode of the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe winning is winning no matter how little or by how much. I am your host, the Dean, Jordan Walk, here with uh, my guest lecturer for the evening, Nate Andres. Welcome, Nate. Jordan, great to be on. Great to be on with you. I think that this is our first ever episode, just the two of us. Call it I the the rivalry uh banger that people have been waiting or maybe they haven't but I i've been waiting for a this. long time i think that we have been on together actually a couple years ago it was my first time on you uh you asked me because jake was busy oh okay yeah well, so you have better people, memory than i do the people got what they wanted already but now they get it again but hey, nate i um i'm excited for this because uh i, I wanted to let you know as as the dean of the institute, I would like to grant you as an assistant professor in the uh, the art of gassing up your players, and then the art of gambling research. So, congratulations on that honor, Nate. Thank you. I've been studying for years. Uh, very happy to be associated with the Walk Institute of Research for one night. You are the uh, the first ever person to have two different uh, professor titles, so congratulations. Thank you. I'm ready to take everyone to school tonight. So um, why don't we get started with our uh, our last week recap. Uh, first matchup, the Mighty Vibes, Jerowin defeated myself, the Walk Institute of Research. Eddie, look at my Tatis, defeated you, Nate, eating ass and taking names. Justin... JC and company defeats Beaver Valley All-Stars, handing league villain Nick Andres a loss. Um, Jake's fantasy baseball team defeated No Money Mike. Team C. Deemer defeats Team No Name. And Brendan, the flying rushman, continues his little hot streak, defeating Sam Weak pullout hitter, with the median being 254 points. Uh, Nate, you want to take over our uh, standings update? Yes, uh, sadly, Jordan, neither of us make an appearance in this, but I think that we were doing the league a favor, uh, humbly losing this week to ensure that we would not be uh, taking any glory in this segment. But I, agree. In the, I agree. In the East, the top three in order, a newcomer in first place, but not a newcomer to being at the top of the league, historically speaking, would be Jake's fantasy baseball team with an 11-3 and record. Dropping down to second place, or maybe he was already was in second place, but uh, he is actually in front of the team that was formerly in first place is JC and company with a 10 and four record and no money. Mike sliding all the way from, I believe he was in first place last week. Now jumping down to third place. Uh, so that is no money. Mike with a nine and five record in the West. An improving division, I will say, uh, because it, before it was Scott alone at the top, and it still is, Team Eminon with an 11-3 and record. But Nick Lee, having himself a strong start to his inaugural season, Team C. Deemer, has not changed the name. I, I respect that, but I will be curious to see what he names his team when he does finally rebrand. He has a 9-5 and record in second place, and in third place, uh, this is just kind of a dogfight of the teams that can't even approach 500. But right now, Jerwin is taking that third place spot. The Mighty Vibes with a five and nine record. Jordan, any takeaways from this past week? I think that my main takeaway is that you have to never miss an opportunity to trash talk. Mike uh, last maybe three weeks, four weeks or so. Man, he was he was cooking in the group chat. He was flying high, um, feeling very good about himself. But, you know, this league has the ability to very, very quickly humble you. And he has now dropped 0-2 um, the last two weeks and two median losses and no longer finds himself at the top of the leaderboard. That is a, that is a, uh, a good thought. My takeaway, Jordan, is that having a good team in our league simply will not cut it it is not enough this is actually a conversation that nick and i have had a couple times so far this season um i think that our perspective or, or my perspective is as somebody who plays in all of my other leagues being deeper 14 team 16 team 
I think that the uh, bar for what is a good team and what is not is a little bit lower in those deeper leagues. But then we, you know, sometimes that causes me or even Nick or Scott or Mike, who are in some of those dynasty leagues as well with all of those teams, to forget or just have to remember for a second, wait, this keeper league is a 12-team league. So just simply not having any holes anywhere is no guarantee of anything. You may be among the playoff teams, and, I, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself because we're only through seven weeks here, but you might be among the playoff teams, but just having no holes in your lineup is not going to win you a championship. You need a star-studded uh, star squad, I think, to be dominant in our Keeper League. And I think that that's honestly why no team is far and away the best in the league so far. Even the best two teams have three losses, and the worst teams have, well, I guess that's you now, Jordan. That is you me have three, now, yeah. You have three wins. But but the point being that nobody is undefeated or just has one or two losses. And the same thing at the very bottom. There's no team that has only won one or two weeks. Uh, there, it's, it's very disparate across the league rather than a concentration near the top or the bottom. I think that, I think we go through this conversation every year around this point, I think, where it's just in my opinion, the fact that we have a bunch of people who know what they're doing. Like, there's no there's no team in this league that you look at and think, oh, man, this person's going to make such a stupid mistake or they're always an easy win. It's, it's I mean, it, it's a testament to how long the season is because everyone ebbs and flows, but it's just, it's just the, the quality of the owners, in my opinion. I will uh, slightly disrespectfully disagree with that and that that'll even give us a preview into the main segment this week i think that you weren't technically wrong with what you said in terms of nobody is an easy win i definitely agree with that because head-to-head fantasy is an any given sunday kind of game where anybody can beat anybody because it's only a seven-day matchup right but i feel comfortable in let's say a sample size of five years Four out of those five years, I bet I could point to at least four managers, probably five or six, that I would bet on making the playoffs all five years, if not four out of five years. So all that to say, I think that you're 100% correct that people can put together teams that are capable of beating any other team. But I think because of how long the baseball season is, to your other point, this is the point that I I have a slight technical disagreement with. I think that that gives an opportunity for the very best managers to really separate themselves year in and year out. And I think that that's been the case, really. You've seen a handful of managers have quite a bit of consistency going back four or five years now. Right. I guess I'm I'm saying is there's not a team out there that never makes the playoffs. That's true. That's true. Especially because in 2020, the entire league made the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> That was the year that you went over and still made the playoffs. I did that that <laughs> year. Um, I had like I think at one point I had like sixteen different players get injured, and it just I was just churning waiver wire guys out there. It was yep. just a nightmare. But anyway, anyway let's uh, let's dig into our trades. We had one the trade, <laughs> yeah, the trade. We had one the mighty vibes traded. Josh Hader and Josh Lowe to Jake's fantasy baseball team for Nolan Gorman, Tanner Bibby, and Reed Detmers. So looks like uh Jake just wanted a couple of Joshes. What do you what do you think about this one, Nate? I was gonna say the same thing. I don't know if Jerwin hates people named Josh or Jake like has a crush on people named Josh. But uh, you know, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you and I think that Jerwin might cringe at first, but give me a chance. Give me a chance. When I first saw that Team Beam and Team The Mighty Vibes made a trade, I was expecting to open my app, you know, knowing that Jerwin has struggled to this point and knowing that Jake has done very well to this point and see maybe Jerwin made a selling move and it was the very first one and nobody else would have known about it. Jake was just kind of the first guy to get to him. So I was kind of preparing for the worst. But this is actually, in my opinion, a very fair trade and an attractive trade for both sides. If you remember back to the draft breakdown podcast, Jake specifically punted bullpen pieces 
and he noted that a bunch of people were taking the sparps that he was kind of targeting for his strategy. Now, I can't remember off the top of my head all of the guys that he named and if those guys, you know, if it would have worked out for him had he still had he been able to get those guys. But point being, Jake did not have a sturdy bullpen entering the season, so he gets arguably the best reliever in baseball. I think that you could now make an argument between Josh Hader and Emmanuel Classe, even though he struggled this year. But uh, yeah, Jake's getting a big win with Josh Hader in, in an early season breakout with Josh Lowe. But on the other side, Jerwin is also getting himself an early season breakout with uh, Nolan Gorman. And I'm not so crazy about Reed Detmers. I know a lot of people in the industry love him and have been giving him a long leash despite the struggles. He actually thought this was kind of funny. He had, I think, a no-hitter going through five and two-thirds innings that night after this trade was made. But then I think he loaded the bases after that happened, and then like all three runs scored when the reliever that inherited the runners came in. Um, Tanner Bybee I like. I think he was a great pitcher ad. So all that to say, I like pretty much every player in this deal except for maybe Detmers, but even him I can see the upside case for and certainly plenty others in the industry love Reed Detmers still. In that uh in that game that you were talking about Nate, Reed Detmers actually I think he had 12 strikeouts. Um he was yeah, he career had a, high. A, a very a very very good game. Um I I also thought that this was a really well done trade. Um with Hayden's demotion, Jerwin was in desperate need of starting pitching. He got that although he did have to give up one of the best relief pitchers in the game. I think if if I had to pick a side, I would pick Jake's side of this deal because um, Jerwin's relying on a lot of kind of younger guys to continue the, their success, whereas Josh Hader is the much more proven piece. I mean, we haven't even talked about Josh Lowe, who's also having a fantastic year so far. But I think the hitters are slightly. I think the hitters are mostly a wash. I would probably rather have Josh Lowe because he has that triple eligibility in the outfield and that is always very useful in our outfield specific spots league so when i'm when i say that i mean left field center field right field as opposed to most other leagues just do the outfield position right so i'd probably rather have josh Lowe because of that but as far as their actual performance and i know josh Lowe has been better as far as the numbers themselves but they've been neck and neck with each other in terms of how impressive the breakouts have been both averaging well over three points a game i think low is near closer to four points a game and gorman is like around 3.2 so he's you know he gets the all-around edge but i i don't really think that nolan gorman is all that far behind him i agree with that but yeah i think that was a great trade the hitter swap if it was a one for one i think would be a fair trade so then you you break it down almost as josh hater for Tanner Bybee and Reed Detmers. I think that's that's fine for a team of Jerwin's stature where the starting rotation is in shambles. Yeah, absolutely agree with everything you said, Nate. Nate, Sweet. you want to uh, kick off our uh, our main segment of the week? Oh, oh yes, I would. Uh, I would like to do that. So we have we have hinted Jer- Jordan and I for a while now or at least we have in private conversations that the other quote unquote rivalries that exist in our league are, they don't feel authentic. They feel like they're being pushed. Uh, And I think that the main thing that the main reason why we feel that way, or at least why I feel that way is that it, it doesn't feel like there's legitimate, authentic trash talk between these so-called rivals. And I, Jordan and I, have put on a clinic at different times over the years on how to trash talk in the league. So we thought that it would be appropriate for this week's main segment to be a rivalry trash talk role-playing segment. So what we're going to do is we're going to name five known rivalries that exist in our league, or at least that have been mentioned in our league. Jordan is going to pick a side. I'm going to pick a side. We're going to act as one party on each side of the rivalry and trash talk each other as if we're that person that we pick. Okay? So, the five rivalries. 
so that you you might want to you know skip one or two if you want if you if you want to hear one that you are specifically a part of the five rivalries that we are going to role play here are Mike versus Scott Mike versus Eddie so Mike's in both of the first two third one is Brendan versus Jerwin the fourth one of course is Nick versus Nate and then you guys know that we have to take you to school the last one is Jordan and myself. We're going to do a live trash talk of each other here on the podcast. So first up is Mike versus Scott. Jordan, who are you taking in this rivalry uh, as as your point of view? Who are you, who are you taking I, and who are you trash talking? I will be playing the role of Scott, talking to Mike. I thought about this. I was like, man, it'd be so funny if I could do an impression for some of these. And then I realized that I've never heard Scott's voice before. So, Scott, you need to come on the podcast sometime. Huh. He was on, just by the way, before we get started, the the football podcast. He was on a few years ago. I am not in the football. I will league, have to. So uh, I will have to. I'll have to dig up that episode so yes. that you can hear what he sounds like. I, I would love that. So, well, without further ado, Scott, take it away. Mike, you constantly disrespect me. You forget how I went how I went 19 and 1 in the league that you are the commissioner one of and won the title. You claim I'm only good at football. This is the first year I've truly been able to draft and form my team in this league as I was at work in the draft last year and Fantrax is awful at letting you keep players. I took over an awful situation before that and look at me now. 11 and 3, leading not over only my division but the entire league. While you talk your talk about how high and mighty you are, I, living in the shadows, focus on the real thing that matters, winning. You claim that baseball is a learning curve and that I've finally learned how to play. But I have more I have more than arrived. In fact, I overtook you, not even in year two of mine, before you, I could even complete my rebuild. I've come to dominate. I've built a culture of winning, not only here, but in basketball and football as well. Leagues that you are in, keeper, dynasty, redraft, it doesn't matter. I deliver while you sit there in last place, Mr. No Money Mike. All right, Mr. Scott. Well, <clears throat> I, Michael Humes, uh, why would I have anything bad to say about Scott? He is quite literally, Scott, you are quite literally the greatest fantasy player to ever live. Scott, if you have a million fans, I am one of them. If you have 10 fans, I am one of them. If you only have one fan, Scott, that is me. And if Scott has no fans, that means I am no longer on this earth. If the world is against Scott, I am against the world. If Scott makes a draft pick, it is the greatest draft pick of the draft. And if Scott drops a player, that player is horse piss. Scott can do no wrong. I will love Scott until my last breath. The second rivalry that we have. And I'll actually do trash talk this time for, for the second rivalry. It is Mike versus Eddie. I'm going to pick, because I just probably did him dirty, I'm going to pick Mike again for this rivalry. And uh, Eddie, I got some things to say to you. You know, I know we have a history of calling this a fun rivalry due to our history across sports. But I think that Eddie's real rival is getting a playoff win. You know, in two years of fantasy baseball, he has one playoff berth as the eighth place wildcard spot with an abysmal 14 and 22 record that year. Pretty arguable to me that that season wasn't even worthy of a playoff berth. Even worse, he was 11 and 27 in his only other season. You know, if you're doing the math at home, folks, that would be an average record of 13 and 25. Yuck. Now, one could say, okay, Eddie's new to fantasy baseball, so we should give him some time to adjust, right? Well, Nick is two for two on making the playoffs since joining for the first time. The same time as Eddie, actually. And Nick's actually also two for two on making the title round. And hey, he's two for two on winning the whole damn thing. So no excuse for poor, poor performance there. Now, like Eddie, I, Mike, have only managed to make the playoffs in exactly half of the seasons I've played fantasy baseball. So I'll give him a pass there, right? But at least I was able to do something with my playoff shots. My record in the playoffs is 4-2 and two, with a third-place finish and a runner-up finish. There's a point for me. 
let's move right on down the list to football, since that's where this so-called rivalry was born. Well, across seven seasons and two leagues that weren't together for football, Eddie has made the playoffs two total times and has a grand total of zero playoff wins. Compare that to my track record of five playoff appearances in the same amount of seasons and my three runner-up finishes. And I think you have a nail in the coffin, folks. Four runner-up finishes, one third-place finish, seven playoff appearances, and a 10-7 and record across 11 seasons of fantasy sports compared to three playoff appearances, an 0-3 record across nine seasons of fantasy sports. Not much of a rivalry, if you ask me. And by the way, Eddie, next time we play, you're going to ask me for toilet paper when I whoop your ass. Man, Mike, that was uh, that was some heavy stuff right there. But you, you shouldn't forget where you came from. Surely you would not forget the good old days when I would dominate you in every single league we were in together. It didn't matter. Football, basketball, baseball. I came to play and you could not beat me. You talk about playoff success and how it's taken me so long to get used to fantasy baseball, claiming I'm no good because I've never won a baseball title in the grand total of two years. How many of you won? Oh, that's right. Also zero. You pride yourself on your playoff participation trophies. You insulted me for barely making the playoffs, but last I checked, I at least made them while you were checked out in June because you couldn't handle the heat of the league. All I know is based on our history, you may not want to admit it, but you would be very afraid of facing me in the playoffs. All right. All right. Hope you guys are enjoying this so far. The next one, the next rivalry is Brendan versus Jerwin. Jordan, are you, who are you taking in this rivalry? I have I have drafted uh Brendan attacking uh attacking team positivity and the mighty vibes for this so-called rivalry. Jerwin's so much of a fraud, he doesn't even believe in his own positivity anymore. He sits on this podcast week in week out taken against his team because he has the humility last time i checked humility and positivity are two totally different things if he really was positive he would believe in himself but clearly he doesn't we both had great keeper pulls you did 75 mock drafts leading up to the season i couldn't make the draft causing my season of hell to begin and you still can't even distance yourself from me we're tied in the standings right now you only have me in points four I'm so far and above you yet that your dream season is barely better than my nightmare. Yeah, congrats on making money one time when you finish in third. At least people fear me in the playoffs. Year in and year out, you're the joke of the league. My God. That was me, Nate, reacting to that. <laughs> all right, all right. Me, Jerwin, talking to Brendan. Okay. Much like Eddie has a rivalry with getting a playoff win, Brendan has a rivalry with having an actually good team. Year in and year out, Brendan is able to just barely squeak his way into the playoffs, but he always seems to be thought of as kind of that annoying mosquito that you smash after it bites your arm than ever actually being a contender for the title. I mean, seriously, when was the last time that a playoff team wasn't hoping and praying that they got to play Brendan in the first round? This guy is a masterclass at turning a heap of trash into a slightly more cohesive heap of trash, but he has zero ability to build a team that actually has a shot at ever winning a title. My humble advice is somebody who's only made the playoffs three times out of six, but still managed to finish top three once, to Brendan, who has made the playoffs five out of six seasons, but has never once finished in the money, is to get out of purgatory, man. Pick a side, because this yearly obsession that you have with being a slightly better bottom feeder than the rest of the bottom feeders, it leads to nothing but both an empty playoff run and an empty keeper pool, which kind of sets up the cycle to continue the following year. You're just living in mediocrity. And Darwin, that's some heavy stuff right there. All right. The next one, you guys know that I brought the facts for. This is Nick and Nate. And, of course, I'm going to be myself in this rivalry. Who else would I be? Let me lay out the facts, folks. In 2021, Nick and I both went 27-11, and 11, despite Nick taking five more median losses than me. 
So if the schedules were flipped, I would have finished with a 32 and six record, right? Five wins better than I actually finished. And Nick, with my tougher schedule, would have finished five wins worse. He would have had a 22 and 16 record. This would have matched me up with Jarwin in round one of the playoffs because I would have been the number one seed in the entire league and I would have advanced instead of falling to top scorer in round one, which was Mike. That could have been a potential destiny change as I would have played Mike in the semifinals where he scored the third most in the round out of four total teams, despite actually advancing to the championship the way that 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 year actually unfolded, right? So let's go to the next year, right? 2022. To show I'm not cherry picking stats here, I went 27 and nine while taking three more median losses than Nick who went 30 and six. So our records actually perfectly reflected that discrepancy in median losses in 2022. But, but in the playoffs, Nick would have lost to a theoretical median in both rounds one and round two, scoring the sixth most points out of eight teams in round one and scoring the third most points out of four teams in round two, compared to my second most out of eight teams in round one and my second most out of four teams in round two. So all that to say, you know, Nick has my respect. He is a great manager. I, uh, I commend him for being able to win two titles in his first two years. That's awesome. But despite these, uh, despite these facts, I'm, and I'm also not taking anything away from his championships, the evidence is very clearly pointing to the main difference between us being head-to-head matchup luck, which that is one of the few uncontrollable key things in fantasy baseball. Obviously, the largest uncontrollable is what a player actually does on the field, but that is just something that's totally out of our control is the schedule. So in conclusion, bringing up a championship count as a I'm better than you, to me, that's an admission of head-to-head scheduling luck that masks a deeper fear of comparing, by the numbers, two nearly identical bodies of work. Nick, your thoughts. I will not let this slander stand. All of your talking points, in my opinion, come from a spot of complete jealousy, which I would understand as you're my little brother. I'm the most successful person in this league, tied with Jake. I have two championships. I have just as many titles as the entire rest of the league combined in two years. Having having just talking about titles as some sort of schedule luck is absolute nonsense because, Nate, you haven't really won anything. The podcast hosts all call me the league villain for a reason because I'm a threat. Have you ever consistently been called league villain on the podcast because of your success? No. The answer to that is no. You're, you were a league villain because people perceived you as a threat, but you just consistently would choke in the playoffs. You talk about my median wins on my 2021 run. Sorry, I don't make the schedule. I take the most out of my opportunities, unlike you who falter as a heavyweight favorite every year. Quit acting like the little brother that you are and obsessing over your technicalities and your hypotheticals. I'm the top dog in this league that you never will be. Talk to me when you've won a title. That does sound like Nick. And I am jealous of the head-to-head schedule luck. (laughs) I defended you, Nick. I'll stand up for you. League villain, Nick, I should say. All right. The moment that maybe nobody is waiting for, but that I've been waiting for, Jordan, the final rivalry. Me versus you, mano y mano. Do you want to go first, or would you like to uh, open us up here? Uh, I'll, def- I'll defer to you. I'll defer to you. All right, I'll, I'll kick us off. You know, Jordan, I actually don't have anything bad to say. You know, thinking back on our rivalry over the past few years, we always have great battles with a number of historically close matchups that have gone down to the very last game. I think that we bring, I've already mentioned it on this segment, but we bring entertainment to the group with our public rivalry exchanges, and you actually have playoff success to back up your talk. I respect that a lot. Uh, I don't know where you're coming from with this segment, but would you say that's a decent way of describing our storied rivalry? I, I would agree with that. Whoa, whoa, that. hold on, hold on. Did you think I was actually going to let you off easy and give you a little mushy intro to your shit talk monologue? I did. Let me lay, out, did. Let me, let me lay out the history, Jordan. All right. I have a four and five 
head-to-head record against you, right? So point for you. I have five out of six seasons where I've made the playoffs compared to your three out of five seasons. I would say slight point for me. I have a seven and six playoff record with four final four appearances and two top three finishes compared to your four and three playoff record with two final four appearances in the same amount, two top three finishes. So I'd say we're about tied there, right? Point for you, point for me, and a tie. So what what is the difference between us, Jordan? Well, much like Browns fans grasping at straws using that 2021 wildcard round win against the Steelers as their Super Bowl moment, Jordan, I am your Super Bowl moment. You know, I very much enjoy our rivalry, but I am always looking past you toward the ultimate goal. And I haven't accomplished that goal the same way that you haven't. But I've put myself in the position to get there. If things would just break my way one time, like I talked about in my shit talk to Nick, even though they never have to this point. And more than that, I bring a level of intensity and consistency to my performance that you just simply can't match. You know, we're on par when we play each other head to head, but we could not be further apart when it comes to performance over the total body of work. I am 90 and 51 all time good for a 638 win percentage compared to your all-time record of 54 and 68. Jordan, you're not even above 500 all-time, good for a 443 win percentage. So sure, you live up to the head-to-head rivalry, kind of like the AFC North teams. They always live up to the smash-mouth football that the division is known for. But when it comes to the rest of the field, I've proven I can hang and stand the test of time with that track record coming over a full extra season more than yours. You simply cannot touch my consistency, Jordan. Not even if you went a perfect 38-0 and 0 this season, would you catch my record? Yeah, Nate, I knew that uh, you were going to come at me with some, uh, some BS, beating around the bush garbage about regular season records compared to yours, because I do know that. Um, but do you know what really matters is playoff success, which I'm sure you remember whenever I beat you in the playoffs last year, you know, I was thinking about, uh, when you were trash talking Nick earlier, that, that number one team last year was me that, that knocked you off. You stand here talking about how you're constantly at the top of the league year in, year out. But the reality of the situation is the, you're just a choker. Yeah. I'll give you regular season success, mostly because I've made my strategy pretty clear on how I sell out to go on a run and rebuild the next year. If you admit my first year in the league where I inherited Carlos Martinez as my best keeper, we're dead even placing ahead of each other, two and two. And you claim that I'm just a blip on the radar. Remember back in 2019, I was giving it to you so hard that you got so upset with me that I was ahead of you and letting you know about it, that, that you just out of the blue bet me $25 that you were so sure that you would finish ahead of me only to pay me out on that bet three weeks later after I beat you twice in three weeks. Very, very good times. We're a lot closer than you think. All right, Jordan, I'll give you props. I have two questions for you, though. Okay. Two questions for you. One, do you want to run that bet back? With uh, multiple... uh, I wouldn't do... I'd do next year. I'd do next year, but... Oh, next year. You know, you're lucky that um, 2019 was before I got into gambling, because I would have done way more than $25. (laughs) I forget my second question, but hey, I love that segment. Hopefully you guys loved it too. I know a couple of you guys got some heat thrown your way, but... Come on, that's that's how you you trash talk. I hope you guys take some lessons from it. Um... We need more entertainment. I'm tired of being the bad guy. Well, you're not the bad guy anymore. League villain Nick is the bad guy. Yeah, but Nick doesn't actually play the villain part. He's just the villain because he's won the title back to back. I play the villain part. You told wait, yeah, you told me earlier. Am I not the or you said something like, "Uh, the podcast calls me the league villain for a reason," referring to yourself as Nick. I think I'm not called the league villain, but I think. People kind of look at me as like, oh, we want we don't want to see Nate win. I mean, anyway. I don't want to see anyone win besides myself. Yeah, but you have people that you root for if you're already out of it. 
Alrighty, for our matchup preview, looking ahead to week eight, Jordan, who do you have for your best matchup? I'm really excited for your matchup against Brendan. Eden Ass and taking names versus the Flying Rushman. Um, Brendan seems to have found a new gear. Maybe he was giving us all a head start, but he has been excellent these last couple weeks. I'm excited to see him take on um take on you, Nate, and see if he can continue that success and maybe catapult him into the into the top three in our division. Yeah, that's that'll I'm particularly interested in that matchup. Uh I have a lot at stake there. <laughs> but that is not my pick. My pick would be Nick Lee, Team C Deemer versus the Beaver Valley All-Stars League villain Nick Endries. So the two Nicks. These teams, I uh do not have the actual scoring up in front of me week after week, but it feels like these two guys have bounced back and forth between having two and oh weeks, oh and two weeks. So I'm interested to see if either of these teams are going to stabilize, if it's going to be kind of continue to be volatile. Obviously, Nick Lee uh, in a much better position with a nine and five record compared to Nick Endries with a five and nine record, just on two opposite sides of the coin there. But uh, I think that either team is is very capable of winning this matchup. I thought that Nick's team was kind of Nick Endries. Jeez, I got to get used to saying that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that the Beaver Valley All-Stars were about to go in a heater. You know, obviously that didn't end up happening with JC winning this past week and Nick going actually 0-2. But my, uh, just if I can sneak a bold prediction in here, is that despite being fifth place in the East Division, I actually think that League villain Nick Endries is going to win the East this year. Wow. So, So maybe that gives you a little bit of a preview as to who i'm picking for that matchup but yeah that's my best matchup for this week thing to watch for uh it's related to what i just said it's it's nick Endries climbing back into a premier playoff spot i think that he is going to secure a top two seed which i believe he has in both of his first two years in the league maybe he didn't two years ago but i don't I know think that he last did two year, years ago okay last year he was in a top two seed and i actually actually think he's going to do it again this year, despite starting off pretty slow. That's my thing to watch for. It's more of a long-term thing to watch for. But hey, I don't come on the podcast every week, so I can give a long-term thing to watch for. I am looking forward to seeing if Mike will make a big-time trade this week. I said it a few weeks ago when the trade market was quiet. It's still kind of quiet, but and his team was just absolutely firing on all cylinders. I said that maybe the trade market has been quiet because Mike's team has been doing so well after back-to-back oh in two weeks I wonder um, if he's going to make a, a big splash in the trade market now that his team is no longer bulletproof it is uh that that will be interesting to watch out for probably won't be with me Mike and I have traded a couple times already this year but you know Mike is always a threat to make a huge splash in the trade market Let's uh pick some winners and losers because we don't care what Jerwin and Jake's record is for predictions, right, Jordan? I do not. I do not. Okay. So for the first matchup of the week, we got JC and Company versus the Walk Institute of Research. Fantrax has JC winning this matchup. I also have JC winning this matchup. Kind of predicting that you will continue this little skid that you're on, Jordan. Yeah, you... I uh, I don't see it, it stopping anytime soon. I'm also having uh, having Justin come out on top on this one. I appreciate, by the way, that you call him Justin because I've called him Justin since we were probably like seven or eight years old, and pretty much nobody else that I know calls him Justin anymore except for you. So I always only... appreciate that when I hear you say that. I've only met Justin maybe like two or three times, so I feel like I'm still in like a formal state with with him, but maybe. Although he is, he is also a professor at the Institute. So maybe, maybe professor uh, Justin, professor Justin, he is the professor in baseball card research. Yeah. Little side note there. Yes, sir. Second matchup of the week. We have eating ass and taking names. I'm going to declare that team name loud and proud versus the flying Rutschman. Uh, my team just can't seem to find any consistency this season. Just sitting at the the only team in the league actually with a 500 record, and Brendan's team rising from the ashes that season of hell 
he's uh, kind of starting to climb his way out of it. The Flying Rutschman, been on a heater lately, but Fantrax still has my team winning. Which way are you leaning in this matchup, Jordan? I think that Brendan continues the hot streak that he's on. He's The trades that he's made have really paid off for him, and he's made some good um, waiver wire additions. I'd like him to to beat you in this one. I think that Brendan has definitely turned it around as far as how how much better his team looks as compared to draft day. But I do still think that he is kind of a phony team among the teams that have been hot lately. Whereas I think that my team is actually good. You know, keep in mind, I was trash talking as Jerwin, but still thinking like Nate. I do think that Brendan is the king of mediocrity. So I will be really interested to see where his season goes. And if he does hang around that wild card grouping of teams, if he's actually going to maybe change gears and not pull the move that Brendan traditionally does, which is try to go for a playoff run that never works out because he's starting from like a second rate wild card team spot and see if he actually sells this year. Now it's very early to suggest that that's going to happen. If he goes on a three week win streak where he's also topping the median and suddenly he's 11 and nine, we're talking about a very different position to deal from with potentially help on the way. Hopefully Carlos Rodon comes back for him. But right now, I would say that Brendan has that classic Brendan team that I just don't believe much in, even if the results recently have been there. So that is a very long-winded say- way of saying that I picked my team to win. Classic May just beating around the bush for a couple minutes, ultimately just said that his team's going to win. Don't yeah. talk about your team on the podcast. Hey, hey. Eating ass and taking names. Brendan, you're next. Well, I haven't done it lately, but you're going to be the one. Third matchup of the week. Look at my Tatis versus Team Eminon. Fantrax has Scott. I have Scott. Jordan. And I have Scott. Yeah, no surprise there. Even though Eddie did have a good week this past week, he beat both myself and the median. That's like, you know, Jordan, what's what's my uh, classic one word one liner unlucky yeah exactly unlucky just getting matched up with a five and nine or i guess it back at that point was a three and nine team and he goes two and oh and tops me anyway fourth match of the week was my pick for the best team c deemer versus beaver valley all-stars van tracks has league villain nick Endries winning i have League villain Nick Andres winning and Jordan, who is your pick for this matchup? I also have League villain Nick Andres. Um, I think that with Nick Lee, it, it's really difficult with the, both of them being Nick playing each other. But Nick Lee, I mean, he had the last second win against Scott, which was a huge propeller for him. Um, but it's hard to beat the the best team in the league and the reigning champ in back to back weeks. Second to last matchup of the week is the two teams that made our only trade this week, the Mighty Vibes versus Jake's fantasy baseball team. Fantrax has Jake winning. I have Jake winning. Jordan, who is your pick? I um I'll go with the upset here. I need I need an upset pick. And the Jerwin will be my my upset pick. I believe in him. I have the positive vibes. The mighty, mighty positive vibes. That is a complete 180 from your role play as Brendan just absolutely smoking Jerwin. Well, but... I mean, that was Brendan talking. That wasn't me talking. That was Brendan talking. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. The last matchup of the week is weak pullout hitter versus no money Mike. I kind of respect this matchup because the unique part about this is that weak pullout hitter is the name that we chose for Sam when he finished in last place. And obviously, no money Mike is the name that we chose for Mike coming off of his last place finish last year. So, little interesting tidbit there. Fantrax has no money Mike winning this matchup. I'm going to go with the upset in this one and pick weak pullout hitter. Pull it out even though, well, that was really ironic and I did not intend for that. But <laughs> Sam is my winner for this matchup even though he's been on a skid lately. I'm also picking Sam in this one. I said it whenever I was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I really like Sam's team. I don't know why it hasn't really fully clicked together yet, but with Mike being on a little skid, I see that continuing. Sweet. Well, that wraps up our matchup preview for week eight. 
Jordan, kick us off with some news and notes. We have a couple uh, big name players returning. Jose Altuve um, is is returning. Is he? I think he's officially back. He's he's been activated, he's officially right? back. Yeah. He got activated on Friday. There was a lot of memes going around on social media saying that he would continue his rehab assignment against the AAA Oakland Athletics. Aha, uh-huh. that's who yeah. they were playing on Friday. This, this is, is back. a. Uh... A huge, huge pickup for for Jake. I, I know that um, whenever whenever Altuve had that that injury, what was that in like was that in March or February? I don't remember. But he was really back and forth on if he should keep Altuve or not. And I told him that you know all you have to do is stay afloat until June, and you're getting one of the best, if not the best, second baseman in the league back on your team. Um, so obviously, it's going to be a huge um, yeah. power for him. So. Yeah, side note on that is that I treat pitching and hitter injuries differently in spring training. I'm more cautious with a pitcher who would get hurt late like that. But yeah, it was late March. He got hit by a pitch in the World Baseball Classic, broke his hand. Um, You know, maybe that saps some of the power. I don't know if it actually does since it was a hand. I know that the wrist or, or a wrist injury is typically the one that you hear about that saps power i'm not sure how it works or if it works the same way with a hand injury but regardless jose altuve's skills are good enough that he's going to be a difference maker even if he isn't hitting for the same exact power as we typically are accustomed to with him uh so i totally agree with you jordan that if a hitter gets injured late in spring training and they were an attractive keeper option before that it doesn't really change too much for me if as long as they're going to be back in the first half of summer. So I think Jake made the right decision and I'm I'm sure he's now happy to have Jose Altuve back. Next we have uh Liam Hendricks who should be activated sometime this week. I saw that he he was on his uh his rehab assignment a few weeks ago, but um, He actually is... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say he's returned to Chicago. He's oh, now, he? okay. yeah, he's now throwing live batting practice sessions with the White Sox before their games. That's an interesting thing that they're doing with his rehab assignments as opposed to leaving him with the minor league affiliates. The thing that I found really interesting, which is I actually added Liam Hendricks to this segment. The reason why I wanted to add him and talk about him, I found out just about a week ago or maybe less, he had stage four non Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. Wow. That's actually incredible that he was, you know, it's one thing to recover from stage four cancer. The fact that he is about to retake the closer role, presumably once he's activated in the next few days after battling stage four cancer, like he just announced his diagnosis. It was after New Year's Day because I have him in a dynasty league and I was recounting all of the injuries that I had on this dynasty team. Just this year in 2023, and Liam Hendricks was the very first one. It was back in early January. He announced that he got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Found out about a week ago that it was stage four cancer. So that's one thing to even survive that. But to come back and be professional athlete in presumably the top role in the White Sox bullpen, that's incredible. I'm really rooting for him. I know Scott's rooting for him because that's who drafted him. But yeah, just an awesome story for baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, very exciting and very encouraging. And I don't know when baseball does like their their stand up to cancer night that they do every year, but it'd be awesome if the White Sox were on uh, primetime national TV and you actually see Liam Hendricks walking out of the bullpen um, to close out a game. And I mean, it's the the timeline is incredible. I mean, it's been. You said it was in, in January. It's been like four months or so. And I remember seeing right. whenever I was doing my, my preseason prep, I was like, oh, Liam Hendricks, like, I'm not going to take any shot on him. I mean, he's not going to play it all this year. Why would I draft right. him? Um, and, and here he is. I mean, it's it's really just an incredible story. So Side note, just for the memes, imagine that that actually happened. Stand up to cancer night, Liam Hendricks comes out to close the game and he just gives up an absolute nuke. Oh, <laughs> that would be awful, but That'd I be feel like, that, funny. I feel like if, funny. if that happened, it'd be one of those things where like, he, it's just like the storybook ending where he, he strikes out the side or something like that. So. Yeah. Um, we had a big call up this week, Gary Sanchez back in the major leagues. Nate, do you think he will be on a roster at any point this year? 
Absolutely not. Not in fantasy. Yeah. He's on, he's on the Mets. He's on the Mets yes, roster. Fantasy he will roster. not be on our fantasy <laughs> rosters. <laughs> Maybe he'll go on a little DH spree and, and hit like three home runs on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and someone will see that he scored 20 points on the week and take him as a, as a flyer for that week or something. You know, every time I think about Gary Sanchez, I always associate him with Jake because in his rookie year when he was actually incredible, I believe Jake was the one that picked him up or I don't think he drafted him, but he picked him up. Maybe he drafted him. I might be wrong on that, but uh, Jake, bring him home. Bring him, him home. Give, give him, him a roster spot. Bring him Start home. him over Sean Murphy. <laughs> he could put throw him in the utility spot. Throw him in the utility spot. True. Um, couple big injuries. Um, this might have been last week. I don't remember exactly when it was, but Dustin May forearm strain. Um, due to this injury and the injury from a few weeks ago, Drew Rasmussen, what do you think of Todd Bradley and Gavin Stone getting extended opportunities to stick in their rotation? And what would they have to do to stay in their rotation long term? So I don't know if you saw, but the Dodgers also caught, called up Bobby Miller or are going to call him up tomorrow to make a start. We're recording on Monday night. He's going to make a start tomorrow night on Tuesday. So the Dodgers are actually going to the farm for two of their big name pitching prospects, Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller. You know, I want to say that Gavin Stone would not have to do much to get an extended opportunity to stick in the rotation because Dustin May is out long-term. Julio Urias is out short-term with a hamstring strain. I saw today that he's targeting an early June return. So you would think that with two pitching injuries that the number one guy that they were planning to call up as a replacement, Gavin Stone, he may not have to do much to stick around long-term. But I will say, I still think he's going to have to be good because, say, Gavin Stone is not so good to, uh, tonight as when he's pitching. And he wasn't his, in his MLB debut earlier this season. But then tomorrow night, Bobby Miller is really good. What you might see is that when Julio Urias gets back here in a few weeks, they might send Gavin Stone back down as opposed to Bobby Miller. So I will be paying attention very closely to see who kind of wins that battle out for that last open rotation spot in the Dodgers rotation. Taj Bradley, I don't really think he has to do anything at all to get an extended opportunity to stick in the rotation. You have Drew Rasmussen, who is likely out for the season. You have Jeffrey Springs, who is out for the season. And I know that Tyler Glass now is working his way back. He is getting actually really close to making his season debut. But Glass now, man, as much as I really like him on a per-start basis, it's like you are walking on eggshells when you roster him. And I am not typically somebody that fades uh, somebody with that caliber of upside. But I will say that the only two exceptions really for me as far as elite pitchers that I do fade actively due to injury are Jacob deGrom and Tyler Glass now just because they simply have proven. It's like, it's not even, I can't even say that they haven't proven that they can stay on the mound. They have gone as far as to say, or that I would say they have proven that they cannot I don't know if that distinction makes any sense, but it's no, like... No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I was thinking about it um, whenever whenever Jacob DeGrom got hurt a couple weeks ago. Like, in a strict redraft format, I mean, where would I take Jacob DeGrom, like, hypothetically next year? Because, I mean, it's one thing, yeah, on a per basis, he's the best pitcher in the game, but the be the best pitch on the game on a per inning basis. You also have to pitch innings, which he yeah. can't do on a regular basis. And same with, with Tyler Glass now. I mean, he, he was on my team. Was that, was that 2021 that he had Tommy John surgery? And now um, he has the, I mean, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. Oblique. Uh, he's coming back from an oblique strain, which is I think pretty tricky for a pitcher, but especially yeah. one of Glass now's stature and injury track record. I'll say just because you brought that up and that's a really interesting point to me of where Jacob deGrom should be valued for drafts moving forward. I feel like it would be extremely appropriate to give Jacob deGrom the same treatment that we as a fantasy community give to Clayton Kershaw nowadays. 
like Kershaw went in, I think it was the seventh round of the of our draft this year. Wow. I did not realize that. Yeah. And I mean, that's Clayton Kershaw, who was dominant for years, was I think a number one overall pick in this fantasy league going back if we go back like six years ago. Jacob deGrom has the same upside, if not more, I guess, but why should he be valued any more than Clayton Kershaw, who everybody instantly writes off as, oh, he's only going to give you 120 innings? Well, DeGrom is like not even giving you that. He might he might deserve to go behind Kershaw moving forward these next few it, years. I feel like if you, if you were to draft Jacob DeGrom, you almost have to do so in hoping that he's injured from April to July. And that's, that's when he's injured. And then his, his two months where he plays is August and September. The, see, the interesting thing about that for me is I feel more confident that I can rely on Clayton Kershaw to be healthy come playoff time. It's like, I think of those two the same way. Like, okay, both of them are going to miss time. But it's much harder for me to predict when Jacob deGrom is going to miss time than it is for me to predict Kershaw's missed time. It's like it's kind of funny to say that, but I do believe that the Dodgers kind of manage his health based on their expectations for competing in real life. Like I think that they want him to be fully built back up by the time real life playoffs are starting. So you can almost always, in my opinion, count on Kershaw being out there in August when our fantasy playoffs are, you know, short of an actual catastrophic injury. I don't think you could say the same with DeGrom. He's been just so babied. Yeah. I'm trying to think about Kershaw. I know it's his back, but I feel like with with Kershaw, it's just like he'll just get injured for like three weeks. And I don't this could be totally wrong, but it just feels like it's always in like June or July. Right. Where he like gets you he gets you out of the, the gate. Season. Then he takes like a um he takes like almost like an extended all-star break. Yeah, it's like a fan of my Elston, hundred percent. Um which I'm not saying that it actually is a, a fake injury but like you Could know be, like man. you said you you know he's going to be back in that clutch in that clutch time right but getting back to where we are i mean i i totally agree with you i think that i mean even with just with his performance todd bradley i mean he's getting a ton of strikeouts um and his walks are really low i mean i i don't see especially with like the injuries i don't see him going anywhere anytime soon um, you brought up a good point about Gavin Stone, though, especially with a team like the Dodgers who expect to win every game and need to win because they have championship aspirations. If he's if he has another start like he did um, in his in his debut, then and um, Miller has a good start. I could I could definitely see what you're saying where he gets sent back down. I agree. Um, Manny Machado landed on the IL last week. Um, it really has been a down year for him to start so far this season. Do you think that, um, do you think this injury could be one of those injuries where it's just lingers all year and we just flat out end up seeing a bad Manny Machado this year? I do. I do. And I say that as a shareholder of Machado in a dynasty league and in, in a very important dynasty league, uh, 2021 is the exception, but if you look back the past, let's call it six years, Machado has traditionally been much better in even-numbered years, and I know that this doesn't really actually have any merit, but I'm just saying he's been much better in even-numbered years than he has in odd-numbered years. So ruling out 2021, because that is the one exception, in 2020, Machado in our league averaged 3.8 points per game. The season before that, he averaged 2.6. The season before that, in 2018, he was back up again. He was good, 3.4. The season before that, he averaged 2.8. So Machado, is he is a good player. I mean, the bad case version of, of a healthy Manny Machado, you're still getting a good player. But is he going to fail to meet expectations? Uh Yes, probably, because he now has a broken bone in his hand, and I'm sure that that's hard to get over as a hitter, especially as a struggling hitter. But more importantly, yes, because we're in an odd-numbered year. That's that's some research right there. That's some research. Thank you for that stat, Nate. Professor Nate. Professor Nate. 
course. I'll actually talk about another guy that's having a much better season. Continue to lay out the uh, the research for you, Jordan. Ronald Acuna Jr., who doesn't get talked about enough on this podcast, is currently on pace to shatter the best season recorded by a hitter in our league's history, which belongs to Jose Ramirez, who scored 641.6 points, which is good for a 4.09 Points per game average, I believe that was back in 2019, 2018, somewhere in that I range. I think 19 sounds right, but I'm not sure. Yeah, because I think 2018 was where he had that really bad stretch. But Ronald Acuna is on pace to score 751 points, over 100 points more, if he matches his career high of 156 games played back in 2019. And I'm not going to say that that's likely because right now he's averaging over 4.8 points per game. And I don't think that he is likely to do that over the next 120 games. But he would really only need to score 3.84 points per game the rest of the way on the road to 156 total games played this year to actually break that record set by Jose Ramirez. And I think, I actually do think that he can do that, which that sounds crazy, you know, just saying that he's going to average over 3.8 points per game the rest of the way. But, dude. Acuna has been unreal this year. Like we always see one or two hitters have unreal seasons, but he's doing it in a way where the power has showed up, the speed has showed up, and his plate discipline is better than ever. And not just comparative to his own career, it is completely elite compared to any hitter in baseball. So I think that we're in for a best all-time season, uh, dating back to our league's history from a hitter in Ronald Acuna this year. That's uh that's really exciting. I wonder um I I haven't I didn't look at um Acuna's like stat breakdown before this, but I wonder like how many do you know how many steals he's on on pace for like above his average cuz with the uh like I wonder how much of his points right now of his what do you say uh like five something points per game is from getting extra stolen bases. I can uh I can go ahead and look at that. You said how many extra points he scored just from sto- steals alone? Yeah, like how many stolen bases does he have right now? Cunha has 18 stolen bases. Wow. I feel like for the end of May, I feel like that's a decent number for him. Oh, absolutely. Like that's I would really, have to calculate really his steals pace. Let me do that real quick. But I mean, While you just keep talking. <laughs> these the extended um like the bigger bases, I feel like just across the league, we're going to have a lot higher hitter points this year just because of, I feel like every game I still, I see a lot more stolen bases. Um, so it is exciting to see. Um, so I feel like we could see a lot of players, if they hit for what they have in the past, if they're able to steal a lot more bases, we could see a lot of, a lot of hitters break, not the league record, obviously, but like break their previous career record in our league absolutely and acuna's pace right now if he gets to that 156 game mark that he had back in 2019 is 37 home runs 60 steals Jeez. so he is one of a few players that are actually a threat to go 40 40 this year wow that would be great to see i hope that he does it and i'm sure mike hopes he does it but uh, let's keep the ball rolling here. I really didn't have too much to say about this. I just um, Zach Gallon attacked a bird while, while warming up before start. I saw the comparisons to Randy Johnson, and it was before I saw the video, and I was really, really excited to see it happen in the middle of a game. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of disappointed because it was just while playing catch. Um, but it, it still was impressive. Did you see the video, Nate? I, I did. I saw it in slow motion. That that was a cool video. I didn't, yeah, but I wanted it to be during the game, so I was slightly disappointed. But I feel bad saying that. <laughs> um, I have no comment. A <laughs> last uh, last piece of news and notes: uh, Domingo Herman got suspended for using uh, illegal substance. Um, do you know how this was different from the situation that he got away with a few weeks ago when they kept going to make him wash his hands and, you know, no. 
No, same umpire crew. They just happened to basically give him a chance the last time, even though I believe the rules would dictate that they were supposed to immediately eject him and have him get suspended back then. Um, I'm guessing that they just basically did not put up with it this time around since it was literally the same umpire yeah. crew. I did not picture. know that. That is interesting, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's had multiple suspensions, a very troubled past. Do you think in the foreseeable future he'll be anything more than just a streamable starting pitcher in our league? No, because he never has before. Yeah, I don't really think that he the had one suspensions good or troubles impact um, that. I don't remember when it was, but he had one good, good year where he was a regular on my team. I, I want to say it was like 2019 or something, but yeah, I agree. He's he's just been uh, very, very uh, disappointing with all the suspensions and injuries and everything. So that's it for news and notes. Um, everyone's favorite part of the podcast, the airing of grievances, Nate. Jordan, do you, well, first of all, I want to ask, do you have an airing of grievances for the week? Because I, I would like to close this out if, if you do. I am, I am the main host, so I don't get to talk in the airing of grievances. Okay. okay. All so right. It is you. Well, it is you. in that case, I've got a lot of problems with you people. And you're going to hear about it. Uh, you've heard me roast a few people on this episode, including Mike, Eddie, Nick, Jordan, Brendan. But uh, without further ado, the person that I would like to talk about is me. The problem that I have sometimes with myself is... Uh, I am certainly not one to filter my thoughts or be afraid to tell everybody what I think. And, you know, to a large extent, I think that that's just who I am. And I don't really have much shame in that. I think I'm definitely a big believer in we are who we are and just be yourself, be true to yourself. But I do recognize the shortfalls of being so blunt and not being afraid to come off like a dick or an asshole. And that's not that's not always good because that may not indicate or communicate to others the way that you actually feel about them. And so to give a heartfelt message to anybody who's listening at this point in the podcast, I have a really great appreciation for this fantasy league because it keeps me connected with all of you guys. And for the most part, I've known most of you for a very long time and it at, at you know, certain points or others. I've been very close friends, if not still very close friends with most of you at points in my life. And so I, I do have a very high appreciation that this fantasy league keeps us all connected. It gives me a reason to still shoot the shit with you guys, still be known as Nate the asshole. Uh, but I did just want to kind of take a second to say that I do appreciate all of you guys you're important to me. I have great memories with with most of you and and putting the shit talk and the cockiness aside, I just wanted all of you guys to know that I do care uh and behind the scenes I do appreciate the fact that we get to play this league together a lot. And that's all I've got to say about that. Right. I do want to add um the in the rivalry trash talking portion that was all meant to be in good fun, so don't take any of that too seriously. Um, just meant to be a funny thing. So, but that's all we got until next time.